Welcome to our Connections podcast. This is Michelle Prouse, and with me today we have Lynette Ellis and Megan Landon. And we are recording Conversations on the Couch. Today, we're excited to have you, Megan, and that you will have an opportunity to introduce yourself. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family? So I'm Megan Landon. Um, I am 20 years old. I am with uh, my living with my parents, and um, also my grandparents are on the other side of the house, um, specifically due to health problems. So it's kind of nice having them around, being able to visit my grandparents pretty much whenever I want. Um, I am a very outdoorsy person. My dad actually owns a scuba shop, probably as many of you guys know. And I was certified at actually 10 years old, and that was the most amazing experience that I was ever able to have. Very lucky to have my dad um, own a scuba shop and be able to do things that pretty much no one can really imagine that's possible. And But yeah, um, I have a lot of things I do. I'm actually working on a blog um, that specifically, so it'll kind of like tie into what we'll be talking about today. Um, but helping others with life trials and troubles and being able to know how to handle them in the best way possible you can and in healthy ways as well. And so, yeah, um, I also just, um, do just everyday things. You know, I kind of, I don't really work right now. Um, I'm I'm going to school in about probably around March and I will actually be going to phlebotomy and if any of you don't know what that is that's actually drawing blood Um, but I'm very excited to get that going. Um, I actually have two other siblings. I have my brother Josh and then my sister Kira. Um, Josh has one kid and his name's Ollie, um, full name Oliver and he is the best kid ever. He just is a bundle of joy. And then my sister has um, two kids, um, Carter, who is five, and Nora, who is one and a half. And then Ollie is actually two. He just turned two in January. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, that's a little bit about my family. But some of the things I do on the side, I write. Um, I do journal a lot, but I do write. Um, and uh, I actually, a fun thing I do is I actually wrap crystals, and I just started picking that up, and so it was really fun to start getting that going. It's actually very calming for me. Um, but yeah, that's a kind of a little bit about me. Um, Great. Brief summary of who I am. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I have all sorts of questions about crystals. We should do just, when the podcast is all done, I want to talk about crystals. I Definitely. love rocks, and growing up, my dad had this fascination with geology it wasn't his main career but he would take us to all sorts of areas in Utah and we would do rock hunting and then we would bring him home and he would lay the books on the table and then we would go through the different elements of the rocks and crystals were always my favorite maybe because they look a little bit like diamonds and well you know how it goes so yeah they're very cool (laughs) so Megan when we met last week Mm -hmm. and Megan kind of Megan shared her story with with us as a Relief Society presidency, we left just with our jaws hitting the floor because your openness, your story was so inspiring. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait for the sisters to hear about you, your experience, what you've been through, what you've learned, where your hope comes from. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to, you're going to give so much hope to others that are 
you know, we all face, we all face struggles and trials. Yeah, definitely. So I am so excited for our conversation today. I am too. And I cannot get over the fact after visiting with you over the last hour before this podcast, I keep thinking, wait, she's 20. Wait, (laughs) you know, you've, you've packed a lot of really tough experiences in your life over the last, you know, six years or so. Yeah. And I will just now turn the time over to you and let you maybe begin where you feel like your story begins a little bit. Yeah. And we'll talk about this, you know, as a group of friends. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, um, I think mainly a lot of where my life kind of um, became a little bit more, I don't know, like the light of Christ was kind of leaving my life. Um, and I was letting it pretty much. Um, as a kid, I was very happy. My mom always called me her stress reliever. I was the happy baby. I was so easy as a baby, she said all the time. And so that was quite interesting to be told when I was like growing up and starting to have a little bit more harder trials and tribulations in my life. But thinking about, you know, I was such a happy baby, but how did I get to this point? But um, I think it started, yeah, mainly when I was little. Um, I had some traumatic experiences happen um, at about eight years old. Um, I was um, abused, um, but that was where things kind of started um, tumbling down. Um, I was still pretty good as a kid growing up. I had friends. I was very easily making friends. Um, I just don't think I was really registering what happened. And, um, and then I started growing up more and more. Um, uh, actually I had lost a friend to suicide in my recent, um, ward that I was in. And that was a very tough time for me. Um, so that got a lot of the mental illness going, but yes, I have struggled with many mental illness. Um, I've been through many diagnosis, diagnosis with doctors, trying to figure out what was going on in Megan's head, <laughs> pretty much. And um, it was hard, though. Like, trying to, I was so frustrated because I was like, what is going on in my head? Like, for a while, I thought it was normal because some teens, you know, some things come up in your head and you're like, maybe this is normal. Maybe other kids feel this way. Maybe other kids are having the same thoughts I am. So that's kind of where kids think, maybe if it's normal, I don't need to talk about it. But if some part of you, you need to listen to that some part of you that says, talk about it. You know, it's okay to talk about it. You know, you, if it's feeling unsettling within yourself, like it feels like maybe a pit in your stomach or your heart starts racing because of that thought. Um, definitely knowing that it's okay to talk about it. And, you know, um, in my fact, um, relying on your heavenly father to give you that strength to talk about it because he wants you to talk about it too, you know? And even if you pray about it and just like, I like to talk to heavenly father as a friend and I've really, um, thought of him as a friend because I can just go on and on and on in a prayer and I don't have to really worry about what I'm saying because it's like he's there, he's listening, and then soon enough I'm going to get that comfort and that perfect answer or experience or something that happens in my day that says he was there. He was listening. He was right there with his ear just listening to that whole thing. But right in the beginning you didn't feel that way. 
No, I, I did not. Because you said that there was a time when you looked in the mirror and you you didn't even recognize yourself. Yeah, you were definitely. just kind of this shell of a person that yeah. you didn't even know anymore. So tell yeah. us uh, a little bit with like what happened. Where did when things kind of started to snowball mm-hmm. when you felt like yeah. all of these new emotions were happening yeah. and you were starting to um, feel like withdrawing from your family, kind of what yeah. was your path? I think at that point, yeah, it definitely started at 14, um, is where my parents started noticing, you know, the signs of being depressed and anxious, not wanting to go to school, not wanting to get out of bed, feeling like I didn't want to be around people. I wanted to just be with me. I wanted to sit, I wanted to sulk. And that's what I like to see it as, is I sat and I sulked and I moped and I let it stir and I sat in my thoughts, and that's actually very dangerous. It can be very dangerous sometimes to sit in those negative thoughts because then they build and they build and they build upon each other, and it just makes your head feel so full, cluttered, and just like a big ball of mush, and you don't know where to find, you don't know where to start. You don't know where to start by talking, and that's exactly how I felt. And I just started growing up. I slowly stopped going to school. I tried online. And then, um, and then I slowly just went on the GED path. I couldn't even handle high school for most of the time. I just had such bad social anxiety. I was having panic attacks in school and it was really hard. I tried everything. Like I even tried essential oils, like putting them under my neck to try and smell it. And it just, it was harder and harder each day. And, um, and then it was mainly, um, putting myself around people that were toxic, um, that didn't support me for me. And that was where I started losing myself because I was just surrounding myself with people who I thought cared. And I just wanted that validation so badly. And I relied on so much outside validation, like we were talking about, you know, I relied on outside validation more than myself and my validation that I needed. And then I just started, you know, picking up qualities from other people that weren't really mine you know and that's where I started losing myself more and more is where I was putting qualities into my life that I thought were me but weren't really me and that was where I got to the point of looking myself in the mirror and being like this is just a shell of Megan I don't feel like me I don't look like I look like me but I don't feel like me I feel like it's just kind of hollow inside and you know I had a constant pit in my stomach of feeling not good enough and not worthy enough to even be around my family or, you know, be alive. And having those suicidal thoughts and tendencies was really hard. And, um, definitely on my parents' side of aspect, seeing, um, both my sister and me going through the same thing was definitely really hard. Um, but it did strengthen our family today. It has strengthened our family. It was hard then, But it built our family to be stronger, bigger, and better, and more unified as a family, you know? So what were some of the best things that your parents did for you during this? Because I know it was, there was not a a quick, easy fix. Yeah, It was, you know, you, you, and you can go more into the struggles that you had, but um, what was the best thing that they did where you did feel supported? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... My mom definitely, you know, sometimes she'd even ask me like, hey, do you want to go to a treat? Do you want to go get a drink? That was nice. That was very, you know, it made me 
know that she was trying to help in every way she could. Um, and even asking, being like, hey, is everything okay? Like, how did your day go? Asking, um, like, more, like, being interactive with, you know, how did your day go? Like, how did school go? How did, you know, therapy go? Or something like that. And being very interactive with how I was doing genuinely. You know, um, you're taught a lot in, like, um, outpatient and therapies that, when you're trying to give someone validation, try not to talk about yourself as much and try and be more engaged in how that person's doing. And even, you know, it's not bad to relate, you know, that's where that person gets hooked in and feeling like they're being supported, like they're being heard pretty much. I know exactly what you mean. That's something that I try to be really aware of when I'm talking to other people because it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I've been on the other side of that oftentimes where I so badly wanted somebody to ask me how I was doing. And they would, so they would say like, Hey, Michelle, how are you doing? And I would say something like, yeah, I had kind of a crummy day and hoping that that would blossom into some productive, meaningful conversations. But instead they'd be like, Oh my gosh, I had the worst day too. And this and this happened and this and this happened. And all of a sudden, the need that you had or that little kind of that feeling in your heart where you really wanted somebody to listen to you, it's yeah. gone. Yeah, definitely. It, it's gone just almost as soon as it came. So I think that you, that's, you know, you bring up a really good point of as parents, we can definitely listen, mm-hmm. talk less and just listen yeah, and allow that process to naturally happen with our children or our spouses or with each other to practice listening and not you know, inserting what we need all the time too. Definitely, yeah. So, so drink runs too, that seemed, that seemed to help your relationship with your mom. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes it's maybe, you know, maybe like be careful because you never know how many times you have those conversations like with someone that they're like trying to make it all about them when you really wanted to, you've kind of made that hint, you've kind of given them that hint that I want to talk. I've had a bad day. Can I talk? And can you just sit there and listen? Try to relate. You know, just be there and be present. Like, that's a main thing, too, because you don't want someone who's, you're talking to them and you're trying to talk to them about a meaningful conversation and they're looking away and, you know, looking on their phone or something like that. Like, when I have a meaningful conversation with someone, I put my phone away. I put all distractions away because I want that person to be heard. And the more and more that happens when someone's like disengaged from that conversation, you feel like, what's the point? Every person's going to be like this because that your brain starts to think that because it's like it's happened so much. It's going to happen again. That's what your brain goes to. It's like one thing happens over and over and over again. You think it's going to happen every time. But that's one thing that also can help is, you know, reminding yourself that not everyone is the same. There's people that you will meet that you don't even know that will probably be the best impact on your life. I've met many, many people who have done that. And it's because I had to be open and optimistic. That's the main thing too, is being very optimistic with life events and stuff like that. I think as as parents too, as we're listening to our children and our, our young adult children, we have to be careful not to overreact when they, we need to be a safe spot for when, when they're willing to talk and willing to be open and share, you know, their, the deep 
feelings in their heart that we have yeah. to be, we have to be careful. Just don't overreact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, kind of think of it as, as like being heavenly father. Imagine him, you know, with your kid and him sitting in front of them. Like, is he going to like yell at you? Is he going to jump at you or, you know, snap at you for doing something that is a mistake? Because everyone makes mistakes. And, you know, that's something I think my mom really did is, you know, her praying daily and trying to be more like him in the conversations she had with her children and me. And, you know, it helped her a lot. And it was like I was talking to a person that already knew what was going on. She knew exactly what to say, exactly what I needed. And, you know, it took time, of course, for her to figure out everything because it was all new to her you know it's new to a mom to have those things happen to her children and her loved ones especially you know it probably I can't even imagine the heartbreak my mom went through but there's a part of me that kind of does but um it shows how strengthened she is how um big of a person and a mom she has become um And now I can just have full-on conversations with my mom, and it's just like talking to a best friend. And it's it's awesome, honestly, that I can have my mom be my best friend and my mom. And, um, of course, she's my mom first, best friend second. She's got to put her foot down at some point. But um, she's definitely a huge blessing in my life. I definitely, I always tell people she's just a big teddy bear pretty much, you know, and you know, I love her hugs and you know, her and the mother's touch. I always love thinking about that, you know, as a baby, babies are so connected with their mom because of that touch and that connection. I mean, you spent nine months in her stomach, but, um, just hugging my mom, it's like a world of change and it feels like a rush of just, fresh air pretty much and it's honestly amazing it's really nice to know that um, mothers have such an impact on their kids you know little girls they see their mom doing their makeup and they're like I want to do it too and you know kids with their sons with their dads they want to grow up like their dad you know there's lots of things that you can do to make an impact on your kid even growing up I love that it reminds me a little bit of of a book that was a favorite to my father-in-law, he would read it to his mom. And at the time, he would read it to his mom. So this would be my husband's grandmother. She was, uh, her health had quite deteriorated from a form of Parkinson's. So she was wheelchair-bound or she was bed-bound. But her eyes would follow you, and they were bright blue. I mean, the bluest, bluest eyes and she would look at you. You could just tell she was in there. So I would I would watch my my husband's father. He would go lay down by his mom, and he would open up that book. And I I want to say uh, it's called I Love You Forever. Oh, I think I've heard it's, of it. I love oh you my gosh, forever. I like you for always. Yes. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And it shows this mama through all of the stages of this little boy's life. And at one point, you know, he's this grown as college boy and she she has a ladder on the top of her station wagon then she leans it up against the building and she climbs up it and she climbs in the window and she she gently scoops him up and then she rocks him and every time she rocks him back and forth and back and forth and she says this I love you forever I like you for always as long as I'm living my baby will be 
So, you know, the, this, that your mom would take the time mm -hmm. to connect with you wherever yeah. you are at. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that sometimes maybe all your mom could do was just, like you said, the mother's touch, maybe just be there, yeah. maybe just hug you. Maybe she didn't have the answers for the day, but yeah, she showed up. Yeah, definitely. And that was probably enough sometimes. Yeah, it definitely was. That's awesome. So earlier when we talked, also you talked about a little bit of like substance abuse and mm -hmm. some other things that kind of crept into your life at this yeah. time. So how does that happen? How, how does substance abuse happen in a family that it seems like it's good mom and dad, everything's going well, Yeah, but it happens. It happens all the time. So yeah, definitely. tell us how it happened in your family. So from what I've learned and what I've caught on throughout, um, being in different treatments, outpatient treatments, you know, stuff like that. Um, there's different things that can cause substance abuse. Um, mine was mainly trauma and PTSD. Um, it just kept um, coming up and then slowly enough, you know, putting myself around those people. And that can also be a thing too, you know, maybe getting caught up in the wrong group of friends. It happens to teens a lot where they get caught up in the wrong group of friends and it kind of steers them down the path because they want to fit in. They want to be so badly accepted so they do whatever they can to stay in that friend group because they feel so accepted and they're like oh maybe it'll be fun it's just once and that's what went through went through my head is um <clears throat> maybe I can just try it once maybe I'll be fine I won't get addicted to it and I was about maybe 17 um is when I actually smoked for the first time um marijuana and it was of course you know the things that people say about it, you know, it was high, it was great, you know, and that was the perfect time for the adversary to hook onto that and be like, this is your answer to all your mental illnesses. And that's what went through my head. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to roll with it. Cause I wanted so badly to feel okay, feel healthy and feel like I didn't have to deal with all of these uncomfortable feelings like I just felt very uncomfortable and it just kept getting worse and worse you know I wasn't smoking day in and day out I would smoke like socially and then soon enough it got every day and I was buying my own and you know and it's you know it's funny how it works but like you feel like it's wrong you know it's wrong but you want so badly for those feelings to not be there. You want to avoid them out because they're uncomfortable. People are not okay with feeling uncomfortable feelings. They feel like it's just so unbearable pretty much. Because you have feelings, of course, that are so unbearable that you just don't want to feel them. You know, that's why some people result in self-harm. I struggled with self-harm for quite a while as a teen. And that's what I started with. And then it went into drugs, substance abuse, and alcohol abuse and that's where it really got hard because it was me slowly losing myself because drugs and alcohol are not me and that's what I tell myself is they are not me that's not the Megan that I grew up to know um I had such a good heart I made good decisions um I was very faithful in everything that I did throughout the church and everything and yeah and then it just started getting worse, as we said, like snowballing. And the drug abuse just got worse and worse. And the people got worse and worse. And, you know, I almost lost my life a lot of the times. Like, 
probably more than three times, maybe three or four. And it was really hard and it was sad because that wasn't enough to wake me up. And it just, it was hard. It was really hard. And then losing family was hard too, you know, kind of burning bridges with family, doing what I was doing, breaking promises, not following, like not coming to family events, not following through with my promises. And that's something that can really break apart um, relationships and especially families. Um, it was really hard because when family gatherings happened, it was like something would happen in that family gathering that set someone off. And it just made it hard. And it's like, you know, you don't notice that stuff because you're so caught up in your own stuff because it happens a lot with people that are in drug abuse. They're more worried about their fix, their need for what they want and what's going to help them and stuff like that. And it goes through a lot of people's heads who struggle with that. And yeah, that was a lot that happened within those maybe four, maybe three years of when I was really stuck in that drug abuse. So I, I loved what you said about, you know, you are so much more than the addiction. Yeah. The addiction does not define who you are. Exactly. Ultimately, you are a daughter of God. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you recognize that now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a reminder that I have to keep in my head and remind me day in and day out and it's like if I get a thought or you know a sensation of maybe I my brain's pretty quick to turn it away and turn it into no it's just not a decision it's not a question it's not something that think about it's just a no and I I had a really hard time actually saying no for a really long time to people it was like hey you want to go have fun yes it was never a no and now I've gotten used to the idea of saying no. I really had to work on it, you know, saying no to people. And, you know, when people ask me and they're like, hey, like they want me to go out and do something that I don't believe in anymore. I, it's kind of sad, but I'm kind of rude about it sometimes. But I'm very stern and steady in what I'm doing that I'm not going to let someone else jeopardize that. I'm not going to let someone jeopardize my happiness and what I've worked for because I have so much to give when I'm in when I'm in this state of mind pretty much. You have worked so hard to be where you're at and I know I know in sharing your story before with me you you have tried several times to break free of yes, the addiction. Yeah. So what what was it that worked this time mm -hmm. because you've been how many 5 how many, months 5 months yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. So what 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 do you think what was the key this time because I, I see you and you you glow, so <laughs> you're doing it right. Yeah, this definitely. Time. Um, I think this time um, it was all the other times, but you have to do it for you. You know, um, you can't be doing it for other people because that's not really fully putting all your effort, putting your heart all in. Pretty much, like I was practically dipping my toe in the water, and I wasn't fully soaking myself in everything, and. It was this recent time where I had almost lost my life. And it was in those moments, in those maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks of, you know, going from the ER to um, the hospital that I was in is 
I was very open and optimistic, like I've said, um, and I was looking out for the hope and, you know, the things that I knew were going to help me. And I knew, and I, it was also just looking at myself and being like, do I really want to keep doing this, doing this to myself? I mean, it's just like we always say, your, your body is practically a temple. You have this amazing, and the body works in so many mysterious ways. It's like, why would you want to hurt something so beautiful? And you know, God put you down here on, on the earth for a reason, and he doesn't want you, it's practically like feeding your body trash, pretty much. You know, you're feeding it all of this negativity, and it's like hurting his creation, and it's just something I had to remind myself of, you know? It's like he put me on this earth for a reason, and I know he wanted me to make an impact. I know he wanted me to be happy and have faith in him and endure in my faith in him day in and day out and, you know, say my prayers um, and try and put his word out there, you know? And I try to do that most of the time, you know? I did it when I was in my recent outpatient this last time. I talked a lot about the church and... Um, some people have really been touched by that in my outpatient. They've told me. And it's honestly amazing to know that, you know, little things here and there, you never know. Like we were talking about, you never know if you say something, do something, smile at someone. It's going to change their day. It's going to change their world. And it's going to make an impact on their life. And that's something so amazing that I like to think about every day. It's like, I could possibly do something in this day that can make an impact on someone's life and someone's day as well. So I am dying to know, I'm thinking as we're having these conversations, in my um, extended family, there are multiple people that struggle with addictions. Yeah. And I have multiple people that struggle with substance uh, substance abuse type addictions. Yeah. And I know that they kind of come back and forth with probably wanting to change. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you went through that too. You had moments where you were taught, you were mentored, you would yeah. come in and out of different facilities and you you gained strength probably from every person that mm-hmm. kind of helped to you know move you along your way, but Definitely. how well I'm just dying to know what was it that helped it finally stick like what made the difference to really go from dipping your toe into the water to completely submersing yourself and allowing yourself to make a permanent change? I, that to me is, there's a huge, there's a huge difference there from the toe to the whole body. Yeah, definitely. So what was it? Was it something that you finally, that finally clicked that you were taught? Was it something, I don't know. I'm just curious what. Um, it was definitely, I think it was a multiple of things, but the most main things that helped a lot was right as I got to the ER, it was, I saw myself looking, you know, hollow, pale, sick, you know, just in a miserable state. And I literally wanted to cry. I was like, I can't keep doing this to myself. You know, I can't. And then, you know, I got the amazing feeling of Heavenly Father, the Spirit, wrapping his arms around me saying, you're right. I don't want to see you be doing this to yourself. I don't want to see you keep putting yourself on this path of just 
misery, you know, pain, sorrow, and just, I, you need to let me help you, pretty much. And that's what I got, was, you need to let me help you. And I always thought I had to do everything by myself. I was independent, but in a really bad way. Um, and then I had to just let God in. I had to let his light flow into my life and let him help. Let him take some of those burdens, you know, take the reins for a little bit until I could really strengthen myself, strengthen my testimony, strengthen my faith in the church and in him and being able to know that his light will slowly fill my life and the joy will come with it, the happiness will come with it, the great relationships with my family will come with it, blessings, you know, stuff like that. And it's so true that when you let the light of Christ flow into your life, you know, blessings come along with it. So does it take work? Did that transformation take work or was it like you had this amazing spiritual experience and then you were just okay? Mm-hmm. Or have you had to work on that daily? And and yes. if you work on it daily, what types of things do you do? Yes, it is a daily thing. Um, looking out for his, you know, his work, his hand, um, simple things like someone paying for my food in front of me, um, you know, looking at nature, you know, looking at the things that God has put on this earth for a very reason for us to look at it, admire it, you know, look at how beautiful he made everything to be for us to go out in it and have fun, you know, have family adventures. And, you know, like recently I went snowmobiling and that was a big experience to look at all of the things that he put right in front of us to look at and to admire, to just look how beautiful it is because he put a lot of work into it. You know, we can't let that stuff go to waste because he did put a lot of work into it for us to look at it and admire it just like we do. Um, Looking at Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ in the Spirit, you know, we look at them and we admire them because of the perfection that they give. So one thing that, that I've just been thinking you know, one of one of Satan's tricks is, you know, as we're trying to find peace and joy, yeah. you know, he can offer quick fixes, like maybe through the substance yeah, abuse exactly. where you can where you can kind of just forget about all the struggles and things. But um I think another one of his tricks is we think to ourselves if we've made if we're caught in the in the thick of of some poor choices. Yeah. Well, I got myself into this, so I can I need to get myself back out. Yeah. But what the savior is there ready to help us and I yeah. think that's what you've done is you've just grabbed onto him and yeah. you've hel- you've allowed him through work on your own as well. Yeah. But you've mm-hmm. allowed him to pull allowed him to pull you out. Yeah. Um, and, and recognizing that on a daily basis is I yeah. think so imp- important and you're doing it. Yeah. And I work very hard each day to when Satan, um, the adversary, tries to find his way, weasel his way into my, my day that I'm feeling is going great. Um, I work hard myself to make sure he doesn't get that satisfaction of ruining it because he's very persistent in trying to ruin our days, ruin our happiness because he doesn't want to see us, you know, he doesn't want to see us having faith in God because he's angry with everything that went on in that time. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to listen to you. I have no reason to listen to you. You put me through all of that. Why would I want to listen to you again? Why would I want to listen to the person who put me through all of that? Who gave me 
the persistence of letting me know, yeah, it's okay to do that. Yeah, it's a quick fix. You're okay. It won't get worse. I'm not going to let you do that again. There's, I'm no, I, I don't like you. <laughs> I love that. I feel like you literally had this change of heart. I just imagine this experience that you had when the spirit embraced you. It, it clicked. You had, it was like you said, it was the right time. And I'd imagine after many years of fasting and prayers from family that loved you. Yeah. But in that moment, you were ready to receive something that the spirit was able to teach you. Yeah, definitely. And now on a daily basis, you recognize that the good and the evil, the things that will take away from your happiness, things that will add to your happiness. And on top of that, at such a young age, you're practicing things like positive affirmations. That is so powerful. And that can also be found in music. Yeah. Yeah, I I love great music. I love listening to positive words that fill me with light and remind me who I am. Um, You said you journal quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. So journaling, getting some of those emotions out instead of trying to put a Band-Aid on them or hiding those emotions with whether it's a substance or with a, you know, whatever it is, just allowing those emotions to have their, their space in your book so that you can process them. Definitely, You've learned so many techniques that will set you up for an entire lifetime of being able to take good care of the body that your spirit lives in. Yeah. I, I think the world of that. Um, you also mentioned earlier a couple different techniques that, um, besides therapy that you mm-hmm. were going to, would you yeah. mind just quickly um, talking about a couple of those different techniques? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think they're really fascinating and there's a lot of things. Uh, science has developed a lot of modes and um, things that help us to process trauma yeah. or um, emotions that are kind of stuck in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to talk about those for just yeah, a minute? Yeah, definitely. Um, the first one I was in, um, I tried it out. Um, it was with my therapist in my, I think it was maybe my third institution I had went to. And it was called EMDR. Um, it's more of a PTSD trauma-related therapy. And if it's kind of weird, but it's like a hypnosis type of therapy. Um, it puts you in a state where you can look at a trauma and look at every feeling and emotion and memory that links onto that trauma. So then you can keep working on things that link onto that. So slowly enough, you're not worrying about, you know, something triggering you throughout the day. Cause there's little things that trigger people with trauma responses. You know, it could be a car, a person, um, a sign, um, a house, you know, there's things that can trigger people very easily. And that's what EMDR helps with. It finds all of those things that link to that traumatic experience and to help it um, be resolved and stuff like that. Um, And then the other one was transcranial um, magnetic stimulation, which is actually TMS. Um, They put a thing over over my brain and they put a cap over it and they marked the places where my fingers had little... like twitches in the area and they would mark that part of my brain because they'd watch the fingers and they knew what part of the brain they needed to work on by just the ticks of my fingers which is so fascinating honestly to me um 
And then it was, you know, 30 minutes out of the appointment and I got results within two to three days. I started feeling like I could think more positive. My brain felt more clearer, more like it was slowly losing the things that were cluttering my brain. How that is super awesome. And uh, maybe we can include that in like a transcript in the bottom. That sounds really, really awesome. Yeah, there's a place in Pleasant Grove. It's actually called Spark. Um, Spark. Oh, yeah. great. It's uh, over by Cravings Cupcakes. It's the lady in our neighborhood that owns Cravings. Um, it's over by her little company, Cravings Cupcakes. And it's um, it's a small little office, but I enjoyed it very much. So I love that. Well, I love what where you're at now. I love knowing that your parents had given you that foundation that you were able to fall back on once yeah. you were ready. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, I think you are going to help so many people going forward, giving them hope that, you know, we can be in the thick of something that seems bigger than us, but with, you know, turning to the right source. Yeah. And I know your parents never gave up on you. It's no. like our Father in Heaven. He yeah. will not give up on us. Exactly. Um, and if we combine all of those sources that um, are available, mm-hmm. there is absolute hope yeah, for everyone. Definitely. I very much agree. <laughs> so what would you say would be your your parting wisdom as we wrap up our podcast today? maybe kind of your platform that you would say to maybe you would say to yourself just a few years ago, you know, someone who can relate with being in, stuck in the cycle of addiction. What would you say to yourself now that you've kind of come through mm-hmm. it? Yeah. What would maybe be your counsel? I've kind of actually thought about this looking back on my 14 year old self being scared and, you know, feeling like her life was just going to fall apart all at once. Um, I would tell myself, um, you're okay. You, you've done what you can. Um, those thoughts in your head, those feelings that you're feeling, they're normal. You're just in a rough patch in your life, you know. Um, you were sent down on this earth knowing what you were going to go through. You agreed to it. You knew what you were going to go through. You knew you had the strength. And I tell myself that a lot is... Everyone has a strength within them. They, they, don't, they don't even know that's there. They just need to dig deep enough to dig every ounce of strength and motivation they can if they're feeling lost and hopeless. And definitely rely on your Heavenly Father. Don't push Him out. Don't just push out the faith and the wisdom that Heavenly Father has to tell you and the help He has to give. You know, Jesus Christ died on that cross for a very reason for us to rely on the atonement and to rely on prayer to help us and to help us grow and be able to know that it's okay to talk about these hard things because there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing like going, there's nothing bad going on in your body. There's no physical bad thing that's happening to you. It happens to a lot of people. It's a matter of telling yourself it's okay to feel these things. It's okay to talk about it, you know? It's not a burden. It's not something people are going to get mad at you about. And if anything, it's going to help people know that it's okay to talk about it, you know? It helps people figure out what's the right thing to say, 
you know, to their kid, their spouse, their child, and it helps them grow each day to figure out what to say to that person to help them and be there and just be a support. Well, that was just, that was perfect. I can't add anything to that. Thank you so much for sharing your experience today. My heart has been greatly touched and I feel so grateful that we have a loving Heavenly Father that never, ever, ever gives up on us. And that the moment we're ready to really let go and let Him take us, you know, miracles, miracles just happen. Yeah, definitely. And you are a living proof of that. So thank you very, very much. And thank you, everybody, for connecting with us today on Conversations on the Couch.